Xbox goes to battle, Windows gets a 7, and Microsoft's building its own chips. Happy Friday, friends. It is, we have, we, we've just, it's Friday. We've walked ourselves down the week of work or whatever it is you did this week. Maybe you vacation. Let's all think you were on a beach. Maybe you were listening on a beach or something like that and you had a wonderful day. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. There was some news popping off this week. There was some Xbox news. Microsoft announced they're building their own chips with Intel. And so let's just dive into the tech news here and kick it off. So first off, Windows 11 Canary Build 26063 brings Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi 7 support and some other co-pilot improvements, but uh, Wi-Fi 7 support is a pretty big deal. However, your device would need to have the hardware components to you know, take advantage of that, have the correct radio and everything else. But still, Wi-Fi 7 is coming. Um, I actually don't know exactly where the certification process is. I know you can actually buy some Wi-Fi 7 routers, but I felt like the spec wasn't fully finalized, but this tends to happen every sort of generation. And uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, also, Microsoft is putting Windows 11 version 23H2 onto more devices. So if you haven't had it, typically if you're a seeker, as Microsoft calls it, somebody who opens settings, clicks on, hey, show me the updates, you will get it. But if you haven't been one of those people, you're likely going to get 23H2 pushed here very soon as they are sort of opening the floodgates on that. But I think some of the biggest part of the news this week is actually what Microsoft announced with Intel and that they're doing an in-house custom AI chip. Now, Microsoft had talked about these chips previously, so that's not necessarily the news. It's more so for Intel because Intel foundries are going to be getting the, the basically the orders. They're going to be building it. And this is going to be happening on, I believe, their 18A process. I'm not completely familiar with that process in itself. Not that I'm some like chip technical guru on manufacturing capacity but either way this is a big deal for intel microsoft and intel have been really close at the hips pretty much i mean since ever which is why the name wintel is a thing not not whammed like windows amd or or warm or windows on arm it's Wintels, that's what we've all known. Anyways, uh, this is also going to help Microsoft offset some of the costs related to NVIDIA. If you weren't paying attention to the financial news this week, NVIDIA basically won the game. They had just outrageous amounts of revenue coming in and revenue growth. And so like, they are the top dog and they're charging super big premiums for these AI chips. And so what do you do when you're like a Microsoft and you need these chips? Well, you start building them yourself. The big question is, is like, what's the perf look like? How close are they, right? NVIDIA is obviously probably going to remain the top dog I would think for a while but if Microsoft can build a chip that's 70% as good then they can at least save some money and at least be a little bit more in control of their own AI destiny which is a very big deal for Microsoft and its many shareholders. Now this is super kind of interesting to me in, in various weird ways so Windows Server 2025 uh, build was released this week and it has a new wallpaper now if you're on the video feed you'll see two different wallpapers here there's actually a light mode and a dark mode this is the light and dark slice together but as you can see like these are nice looking wallpapers so like my brain instantly goes is like okay changing the default wallpaper in windows is actually kind of a big deal and so microsoft doesn't do this very often which signifies something's coming down the pipe now you could say well yeah brad it's called windows server 2025 now the question becomes like obviously this would feel very at home also on windows 11 or maybe like windows 11 whatever this update is coming in june and so I, I don't know if we're going to see this wallpaper trickle down to, you know, vanilla windows being the default wallpaper. However, I think it looks pretty good. It also has sort of that same flavor and vibe of the Windows Original 11, but it's just a little bit more, I don't know, flowy and wave-like rather than more flowery like the uh, kind of existing one. So there you go. 
Uh, on the paint side, because paint, everybody's favorite application, there's some new features coming. There's going to be new uh, brush size controls. Uh, and also, this is, I think, coming some with some of the, the layer updates, and you're going to be able to further customize some of the backgrounds. But the, the story here isn't the features in itself. It's that Microsoft is, once again, continuing to put effort into paint. And so that's great for paint. If you're a big paint lover, that's a big news and that's a big app thing. Speaking of apps, by the way, uh, self-serving news, which I'll have some links down in the description. My company, actually my position, my job, we shipped uh, new Windows on ARM apps. So Start11, Groupie2, Fences5, all now support ARM. I'll just drop a link down in the description. But let's move on over to the gaming news because there was gaming news this week. Even though it was a shortened week here in the United States, it was President's Day on Monday, so there wasn't as much news going on. There were some big hitters this week. Uh, Phil Spencer says Xbox won't abandon physical discs. I would put a caveat on that because he goes on to say they're just following the trends of consumers and they will continue to do that. And if discs are still needed, then they will continue to do that. This, you know, sort of riding on the tails of, hey, the Xbox Series S doesn't have a disc. We're also potentially expected to see a discless X Series X in the fall. So... Yeah, also during that interview, it was kind of interesting. He pointed out, he's like, hey, when you actually need a Blu-ray drive, it's kind of hard to find them because, like, who's making Blu-ray drives anymore, right? That mo that demographic or that manufacturing capacity has shrunk considerably, and it's continuing to shrink, right? We'll eventually hear about the last Blu-ray manufacturer um, coming out, but, you know, people aren't buying, like, Blu-ray drives anymore. It's just not really a thing, and so, yeah. That's just so, somewhat sort of interesting. But the most interesting news this week is actually related to Phil Spencer, Apple, and the EU. So Microsoft is petitioning the EU to reject Apple's DMA non-compliance compliance. Now, in nutshell version with not perfect details here, effectively the EU said, hey, Apple, you've got to allow third-party stores. Apple said, no, we don't want to do that. They went to big thing. And then the EU said, yeah, you're going to do this. And so Apple's like, okay. And Apple, with the best UI designers probably on the planet, or at least some of them, came up with the worst implementation possible to be in compliance. So Apple very much stuck to the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law with the experience by the end user. And Microsoft is not alone, and I'll get to why this is Xbox related, but Phil Spencer came out and said, look, he said the initial steps to comply with the DMA that Apple has put forward are very prohibited to us actually creating meaningful alternative to the one store that's available on the world's largest gaming platform, which are mobile phones he said to the Financial Times, so we will continue to work with regulators to open that up. Basically, this really and dramatically impacts Microsoft's ability to put together an Xbox game store on a mobile platform and ship it on iOS. And that is the big deal here. And Xbox isn't the only one complaining. Spotify and many others at the Epic, uh, Tim Sweeney was out there complaining as well. And I think it's justified. Apple Apple really dug their heels in and says, we'll technically be compliant. And that's just, you know, that's uh, lawyers are going to lawyer and developers are going to do what the lawyers say is allowed. And so that's the scenario they came up with. And now everybody's complaining saying, look, they're not actually doing what they need to do to be in alignment with the actual rulings. And so the EU, you need, you're need you gonna need to crack down again or something. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but really Xbox and Apple are, are, are gonna be fighting it out. You gotta remember Microsoft's betting big that they're gonna be able to do this mobile thing. They bought Activision Blizzard, which included King. And so now they have the ability to crank out mobile titles and they have all, Microsoft literally has all the nuts and pieces in place to put together a killer content store on iOS other than Apple making it a horrific experience for the end user and so i think what we were all expecting or hoping is that you go to like xbox.com on your ios device and say install and then you would have this app store experience 
on your mobile device, but that is very far from the experience. And here we are. Also this week, uh, most people probably already know this, but we now know that Pentiment, Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Thieves, and Grounded are all headed to either PlayStation or Switch or some combination of the above. And those are the first you know, four titles that we're hearing that are dropping. But as I will continue to say, my friends, time and time again, if it goes well, things will continue to happen. So on to the questions of the week. I always, uh, I keep saying tweet these out, but it's really like zeet these or whatever, post them out there. And so Maddo Bear dropping the first question of the week. He says, with games like Sea of Thieves and Pentiment going to PS5, as well as the current uh, Sony Entertainment head commenting on wanting to expand profit margins on PlayStation games. How long do you think we'll have to wait until PlayStation games arrive on Xbox? I can see Marvel games coming. How about something beyond that? I, you know, this is a this is a I think a natural progression of well, look what Microsoft did, right? Microsoft originally had their titles, and then they brought them to Steam, and now they're bringing them to PlayStation. I think it's going to come down to if Xbox can become large enough to justify the I don't want to say PR hit, but the investment to sort of uh, expand the you know drop the exclusive branding. Like imagine I think Spider Man is a perfect example of a game that would probably sell very well on Xbox. It'd be hilarious. The most hilarious scenario would be like Spider-Man landing in Xbox Game Pass for a little bit. That would be, uh, that that would be fun. But I don't, I don't see that happening unless Microsoft writes a serious check over to Sony. I don't think it's an impossible scenario. I think it's much lower probability, at least right now, because Sony is slower moving. I think we'll see how they continue to evaluate their games on Steam, which as of, you know, like Helldiver has done very well. Obviously, they're going to put some out there that maybe don't do as well, or maybe they pick just the cream of the crop and do that. And then what they will do is they'll look and figure out and say, okay, how many Xbox consoles are there? How many games do we think we can sell through? And or what percentage of the console base do we think we can sell through? And is that justified of our time? which is why it's important for Microsoft to continue to try to grow that, that base if they ever want that scenario to come true. I would put it pretty low right now, but I wouldn't say it's impossible. At the end of the day, companies are here to make money, and if, if Sony thinks they can do it by putting titles on Xbox or come to some sort of agreement, I think they probably would. Tristan says, now with Windows on ARM getting a big push, potentially in June, when do we expect to see bigger and better things out of the ARM uh, platform? So, okay, interesting sort of question here. So the concept here he's getting through is we're expecting with 24H2, the Germanium update, there's gonna be significant updates for Windows on ARM, at least under the hood. I think that is sort of the expectation. Snapdragon slash Qualcomm will also be releasing a new Elite series, uh, Elite chip, and Elite X, it might be the name, I can't exactly remember, that is supposed to have pretty darn good performance at the end of the day. And so, it feels like sort of like that Windows phone where it's scenario we were in. It's like, it's not this release. It's like, it's the next one. It's the next, it's the next one that will finally make it mainstream. However, I will say that I haven't been running Windows 11 on ARM on a Surface Pro X, which is several generations old. And it's, it has improved a lot over the Windows 10 experience. It's still not great on that Surface Pro X. I mean, it's certainly, it, it, it needs a performance bump, but that was the first generation. I haven't tried the newer stuff yet. Uh, at least on like a daily driving experience. What I would hope is that the the new upcoming chips, uh, you know, finally bridge that gap to where it just doesn't matter. And, I, and, and that's such like a nonchalant way to say things like the whole point of Windows on ARM is like it just shouldn't matter which device you pick. And like you shouldn't have to make trade-offs versus one versus the other. So if there are no trade-offs, 
with performance and battery life. Now, battery life should be in the favor of the, of the ARM chips, but if there's no trade-offs in terms of performance or battery life, then that is the final hump. That is the final scenario that needs to happen to where it just doesn't matter. And so that's what I hope we see out of the next generation chips. It's like, look, this stuff's good enough now. It's, it's priced well, it's good enough. There's premium experiences. And by premium experience, I mean like high refresh displays, OLED displays, like just, like you should be able to not really tell the difference on what type of device, like if you want a specific set of features, you shouldn't have to ch choose one or the other. It just, at the end of the day, shouldn't matter. Francisco C says, hey Brad, something that was found but not broadcast is, oh yeah, this is a great question, was that Dead Island 2 was available on Game Pass Ultimate, but not on Game Pass or Game Pass PC. My question as this tracks to a, an upcoming multiple tier Game Pass, ooh, this is a good question. So, okay, let's talk about this because he, he links in, he's like, what about Activision games? Might they do something like this? So here's the concept, right? We like Game Pass is supposed to be Game Pass. If you're paying for Game Pass, you're supposed to get games, right? You're supposed to get the games, all the games. The differentiator is supposed to be like, do you get cloud gaming? That was one of the, the defining characteristics. Did you have what we used to refer to as Xbox Live Gold? But now it's, what is it? Xbox uh, Game Pass Core or Core Game Pass? I can never remember. Um, but here's the concept. Is Microsoft effectively establishing a two-tier system inside the Game Pass community by only having uh, this title, The Dead Island 2, on the top upper echelon ultimate? And could they take that st same strategy with Activision games? That is a super interesting question because it could seem like they could do that. Now, what, you know, with until they announce all these plans, we don't know, but this is really like a... a I don't want to say a make or break thing, but this is like a fracturing of that community and a little bit of the fracturing of the trust if they go down this Activision route where Activision games are all of a sudden only an ultimate. What I would, worst case scenario, and what I would expect is that like legacy Call of Duty back catalog stuff is available to everybody, but like the new title, the new stuff coming out, yeah, you got to be paying for ultimate. That still feels slimy to me. It still doesn't feel like like the Game Pass promise we were made, but they're establishing precedence here by having this scenario of where some games don't make it into all the tiers. So it's something to keep an eye on. It's it's actually a very good observation. And from like a business perspective, you find fascinating because somebody inside of Microsoft saying like, might be saying, guys, if this works, let's just keep doing it. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, uh, it, just, it doesn't feel good though. Like, right, you want things to feel good. You want people to be happy. And this feels like it's kind of teetering that line. Skullfield says, hey, Brad, considering Microsoft's success with consumer products like Xbox, have they ever explored leveraging the X brand to other devices such as X-Phone, X-Buds, X-Pod? What strategic decisions or considerations be influencing the brand choices in the consumer market? This is an interesting question. So the question um, is the X. Have they X? So let's not forget that the X originally in Xbox was for direct X. Now, they haven't specifically leveraged the X, like X-Phone or X-Pod. They have leveraged Xbox, though. Like, we had Xbox Music for a while. Uh, was there Xbox Video? I can't remember. They've definitely done Xbox Music and tried to branch that out a little bit. And I think they got a little too nervous and didn't want to dilute the one really strong consumer brand that they have. You got to remember, Microsoft, for all its faults, you know, they make tons of money, but they don't have a lot of consumer brands. Surface is like, eh, like half and half, but Xbox is like, consumer top to bottom corporations unless you're a gaming company are not buying xboxes so uh, i don't think they're going to be going 
actually Microsoft is really getting out of like the peripheral business. Like if you like your Surface headphone stuff and that, like, yeah, maybe hold on to it or buy a couple extras because I don't think you're getting anything new for a while, maybe ever. Uh, so just keep that in mind. So XBuds would be out. XPod would be like the Zune and well, the Zune's not coming back, unfortunately. Uh, it's an interesting thought. Xphone, well, if you like the Surface Duo, buy a couple of more because I don't think you're getting any more duos out of it, out of this at the end of the day. And so I don't think it's a bad thought, but I don't think Microsoft, I think that like sort of like iPhone or iPod, like Apple's even moving away from that branding. So I don't think XPod or XBuds, I think it, that feels very like 2005 to 2015. And I think that marketing has just kind of moved away from that style of naming, if you will. Rafik says, whoa, hi Brad. What's the thing that makes Nvidia gaining so much in stock, especially in AI? And they meant, <laughs> yeah, okay. So he's wondering why, like, why is NVIDIA going gangbusters right now? Like, it's, yeah. So if Microsoft, he's kind of hedging, like, Microsoft, we're way ahead from its competitors when it comes to AI, but it was always based on hardware from these manufacturers. NVIDIA just hit a series of good success and timing. So you kind of got to go back almost, like, what, 10 years, like, crypto mining, Right? This was a big deal for NVIDIA. This helped them drive a lot of revenue. It's like, what, regardless of your opinion of what cryptocurrencies are and crypto mining, you need a graphics card. And NVIDIA had great cards. And so they started selling these things like crazy. And then right as the crypto thing sort of ended, large language models came online or learning models came online. And all of a sudden, like NVIDIA is like right in that same spot and just room. And they had the best cards in town with the most VRAM. And so they really sucked up the energy in there and just, you know, hit two really good waves of information or sales. And that is why they are doing exceptionally well. And every, I don't want to say everybody, every company is trying to play catch up, but like NVIDIA has the mind share and the market share, which are hard to get. Sometimes you can have market share, but maybe not mind share because you're an incumbent or you're a small player trying to grow up. Uh, but they've really got both. And it feels like most people just kind of like NVIDIA. And I, I, I don't mean they're like, um, like... Uh, they only recycle and they've never kicked a puppy. I don't mean like that, but like, like they don't really have any enemies either. And so, yeah, AMD might be an enemy or maybe Intel, but they're just been this like happy go long uh, group of people who just keep kicking butt. And a lot of people are rooting for them and they're doing exceptional things. And, yeah, so their stock continues to grow leaps and bounds. A lot of that, though, their growth will slow down. It's inevitable to slow down. First off, based on percentages alone, uh, it will slow down just because it's hard to keep growing at that rate. But the reason why they were able to generate so much revenue is they have their, their cards with the H100. And I think they announced the H200. They can charge whatever they want for these because, one, they're in limited stock and they've got the best of breed and AI is exploding. So basically, they take one of these cards. Actually, I think you have to buy them in bundles. And they go to the market and say, who wants to pay me for these? And then people just start throwing money. And then NVIDIA is just cleaning up quite literally from it. So, yeah, awesome stuff. And wrapping up the questions of the way you go, Bastar, we'll call it Bastar. Bastar sounds like a great one. He says, hey, Brad, Windows is in sort of an interesting position right now. They have this update coming in June, which we don't think will be Windows 12, but they have all these AI features that are starting to come, and we're also starting to see them show up in Windows 10 a little bit. That is true. Microsoft is bringing some of this stuff back. There's even a magic eraser feature coming. Do you ever think that they will just drop all the branding names and just go to buy and just go by the name of Windows going forward? So it, it seems so logical to drop those numbers, drop 10, drop 11, drop 12, and just call it Windows. And it just gets updates every year. And that's just kind of the way that it is. However, 
There's a big marketing effort that comes along when you name something like Windows 10, Windows 11, Windows 12. And partners like OEM partners like HP, Dell, Lenovo, those, those guys need the Windows 10, Windows 11 branding and Windows 12 branding. I, I know I've said this before on this podcast, but hey, if, if Joe user walks into Best Buy and they've got Windows 11 device and then there's Windows 12 sitting on the shelf, they're like, well, I need Windows 12. I need to upgrade. I, I need to do that. Or more than likely, it's like, I got Windows 10. I skipped 11, but 12, two generations, I should upgrade. And so it makes like complete sense to just call it Windows. However, the generational branding like that is so important on a marketing aspect that I don't foresee them doing it anytime soon. There you go, guys. That wraps it up for the week. That, that clears the deck. It has been another wonderful week. I hope everybody listening to this just like had a wonderful week. You all had just good times and nothing bad happened in your worlds. And uh, we'll catch all of you right back here next time because only BS on this podcast is me.